And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowd... Welcome to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. Our goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. That was Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Today, we're going to do part 2 of my series on healing in the body of Christ. Is healing for today? If so, what does that look like? Very controversial issue somewhat, I guess. You have two extremes. Where some, the One extreme where some people say, uh, there's no healing for today. And everything that you see on TV, etc., is fake. And they're not wrong. And at least in the, in the aspect of a lot of stuff that you see on television in these tent, so-called tent revivals uh, is, is fake, sad to say. Um, but on the other hand, you've got the other extreme, which is the tent revivals and all the other kind of stuff. And these so-called healing evangelists claiming to have all this power to heal and to cast out demons, etc. And... Um, <clears throat> Neither extreme is where you want to go. You want to find something that's just biblical, Bible-based, and just makes a whole lot more sense. Um, so we're going to cover that today and discuss some of those issues and in terms of healing. That's why last week I had uh, my wife came on and talked about her healing twice, one from multiple sclerosis and also from... Uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, Guillain-Barre is known that it can kill you if it gets out of hand, I suppose. And we know for a fact that MS is incurable. So she had it, now she doesn't have it. Alright? And both of those things had nothing to do with me. It, it had everything to do with the act of God. God sovereignly chose to heal her. So that my two kids, three kids could be born. But we also saw that we had a child who was sick, left heart hypoplastic syndrome, and we prayed for her, and God chose not to heal her. And any time God could have stopped any one of these things from happening, or caused something to happen in terms of healing. So, it's kind of a, sometimes he do, sometimes he don't. Everything at the end of the day comes down to the divine will of God. Uh, you cannot make God do anything that he doesn't want done. So we're going to talk a little bit about healing today. And um, as I usually do, when I start out, is I want to first and foremost dispel some myths and then we'll give a biblical perspective on what the Bible says about healing. When I was growing up as a young man, God saved me at the age of 10. And you know, I would just sit around and listen to people tell stories about, you know, healing evangelists where they'd they would set things up and have a guy come up in a wheelchair. Now, the guy can walk, but he's pretending to be crippled. And they would just do this whole spiel about, you know, and, and dramatize it. You know, because Americans, we like a good drama. And then the, the guy jumps out of his chair and pretends to be healed. And there was a whole lot of that going on. Uh, it, it has happened in American history. Some of these so-called great tent revivals and those who could fill up Madison Square Garden, etc., um, but, you know, every black exploitation film that I saw practically had a preacher in it who was a crook, but the church was always portrayed in a very negative light, which by the way, isn't true because a lot of the civil rights that we have, a lot of government and things that are positive in our community in the African American community is because of the church 
and leaders in, in the church who fought for the for those things. Now, the people who fought for it weren't perfect. They were preachers, and yes, they had their issues, <clears throat> such as Adam Clayton Powell, etc. But they did fight for the community. I'll give. I'll just give them that. Now, as far as their personal life goes, I can't attest to that or testify one way or the other. Um, but at least we know they fought for the community. So the black church has always been there, uh, been the place where we could meet and we could uh, deal with our own issues. And, and we have political power and strength and economic power as well, collectively. It was one place that we could go and be important and have power to effect change in our community. And, and yes, even this country. So uh, I know people like to portray it in a negative light, but um, there's some positive things to it as well. But that's another that's a, for another podcast. We'll be doing some things on that uh, <clears throat> in, in due time. Having said that, you know, I, I remember there was an episode of Good Times where uh, James Evans' father, uh, friend was going to be, a, uh, he, he was an evangelist and they were going to have these fake tent meetings and stuff and you know, JJ, and you know, they made whole fun of the whole church thing, and those things d left an indelible impression on me. And I decided that, you know, once I, I knew God had called me into to to do ministry, I had determined that I was not going to be involved in any any uh, shenanigans, tomfoolery, or foolishness. I would have none of it. Didn't do it then. When I was 17 and at 63, I'm not doing it now and all in between. I don't have time to watch it. And I will not participate, nor will I endorse it. But that's what has happened. Um, and so people think that they have to get in their car and go see some famous evangelist somewhere or preacher for deliverance, for healing, or whatever it is they think they need. And when the Bible gives us a biblical pattern for being healed, then we're going to look at that. And, and a lot of you are not going to like it because the people you have to go to for healing that the Bible directs you to are not on television and famous. But first, let's debunk a lot of these so-called um, healing. Uh, number one um, is they never verify anything. You know, when Jesus healed people, he would say, go and present yourself to the priest, particularly in the context of the lepers. Christ documented what he did because he, he wanted people to know that this was real. So the priest, I guess, at least pertained to leprosy anyway, were the doctors of the day. And so you would go to the priest and you, you and they would declare you, you know, healed or not healed. Catholic Church has a sim something similar to that uh, in, term, in, terms, in terms of determining whether something is miraculous or not. But that's a whole other animal by itself. I'll leave, I'll leave Rome alone for the moment. So you had to get it verified. Now that's what I mean by having the receipt. So if you if you believe God has healed you from something, do yourself a favor and 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 it'll it help enhance the gospel. Document your illness. Show us where you had cancer. You know you have medical records or doctors' reports or whatever you can get your hands on. I had cancer, and then once you get healed. Get the doctor's reports so the doctor can sign off and say, well, no, you, she does not have cancer. He or she does not have cancer. Okay. Document it so that, you know, when people, because you're going to have doubters. And so you want to bring hard evidence. Well, these guys on, on TV, they don't bring hard evidence. I you know one church in, out of here in the area in which I live in, they used to have crutches and wheelchairs up along the wall when you walk in there. And they say, these are the people who got healed. These are all the crutches and wheelchairs from, from stuff that people got healed from under this ministry. Well, I don't know that. All I see is crutches and wheelchairs hanging up on the wall. Anybody can go out and buy a whole bunch of, of props, stick them up on the wall and say, look, you know, uh, th these are people who got healed here in this ministry. Now, the excuse for doing this is to boost faith. So they'll say, well, one or two guys will be fake. Or I'll put the wheelchair and crutches up there. And then people will start to believe. And if people have belief, then they'll get healed. Oh, that's a lie. Belief alone is not sufficient to heal you. Uh, you have to have faith in God and in Christ. Jesus Christ is the healer. 
not any man. So you got all these con games going. One one guy, I think ABC did a special on them, on one individual, and he would have an earpiece in his ear, and his wife or whoever was the moderator would be down with the audience and calling people out. Um, oh, he would be. Uh, excuse me. The, the preacher would be down with the audience with the microphone, and but he has an earpiece in his ear, and his, and his wife or whoever else he has on his staff is telling him who to call out. How do they know who to call out? A lot of these meetings, when you come in, if you if you notice, if you, if you come with the sick, they they get your information. Now this gives you hope because they're taking down your information. Oh my God, they're going to call me, you know, taking down your information, what kind of disease you have, etc. And they're feeding it to the person in the booth. So now the your name, you know, and what you're wearing, the description, and everything. And so then the man of God will come out and say, uh, uh. uh Something allegedly of the so-called man of God. He'll come out and he'll say something like, hey, is there somebody named Denise George? Denise George. Is there a Denise George here? Well, yeah, you stand up and then it, it maybe have maybe more than one. But then they know what you're wearing. They'll tell him which one to go to. And you and you'll say, well, Denise George, do you have cancer? And you're like, oh, my God, he knew he knew my name and he knew what a disease I had. Oh, this is the moment. So now your hopes are all up. And he'll call you out, and then he'll pray for you. Um, if you if you want to know how some of this stuff is done, uh, listen to Costy Hinn. He has a video out with when he was being interviewed by uh, Alan Parr, and um, just Google Costy Hinn and Alan Parr, and it'll come up. And Costy Hinn will tell you all the all the tricks of the trade because his father was Benny Hinn, and so he learned all the tricks. So then, one of the things that he mentioned, and I've heard other people say, they don't call out the hard cases, things that are, that we can see immediately. Like if somebody's a quadriplegic, and we know they're quadriplegic, and they get them out of that wheelchair, okay, yeah, now we know the person is really healed, okay? But they don't do that. It's usually, you know, to pay close attention. It's usually things that you can't see that's, that's intangible. They would have to go back to the doctor, you know, next business day, to get verification of their healing. And so it'll be like back pain. And it may be cancer, but you know, you can't see the cancer disappearing, can you? You can't see the back pain. And a lot of times some of the simpler things like back pain is a placebo. Growing of legs and lengthening legs, it's all sleight of hand by movement of the shoes. That's all they're doing. It's it's a trick. It's an old magician's trick. Uh, nobody's leg is being lengthened. Or arm is being grown. It's nonsense. In fact, I've seen them length, allegedly lengthen, lengthen legs. But what I've never seen them do is lengthen arms. But I'm pretty sure they got tricks for that too. Probably long sleeve or something. And try to make it you know, seem like they're actually stretching it. But it's, it's a con game, people. Save your money. Stay home. Deal with your local church. I wish to God, honestly, people would just stop going to these meetings. All together, but you know, P.T. Barnum is a sucker born every minute. People are going to keep going, but the best only way, the way to really stop this nonsense is just don't show up. But they just can no longer attract people because nobody's falling for the game and the trickery. And they're just going to have to find a new gimmick, I guess. I guess they'll invent a new way to get people to come out. But if you make these fantastical claims, so that's one of the tricks, you know, the earpiece in the ear and. And then they, they only call out cases that you can't really verify at that moment. Some people, it's like a placebo or a power of suggestion that they'll feel good for the moment. They'll throw the cane down. They'll walk around, walk around because they feel good at the moment. But what you need to do is get in the car and follow them home and see, when they, see how they get out of the bed the next morning if the aches and pains don't return. And then the lame excuse they give you is that, well, you know, you, didn't have, you had a little bit of faith. You didn't have enough or, you know... Um, you know, because you stopped believing, you, you, you lost your healing. We're going to see that when Jesus healed people in the Bible, it was immediate and it was final. When the apostles healed people, it was immediate and it was final. Number two, what's all this wrestling? Come out, no, come out, no, 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 I ain't coming out, no, I ain't coming out, I ain't never, what is that? When Jesus came, this was a legion of demons, legions. 
And when Jesus came up to the, 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 got to the other side, got off the boat, the demons saw him coming from afar off, evidently. They ran towards him. He didn't go, to the, he didn't go looking for them. They came looking for him. And they said, what have we to do with thee, thou son of God? And then Jesus said, what is your name? They said, we are legion, for we are many. And then they asked Jesus permission. Here, check this out. They asked him permission. They, they knew they were, the days were numbered. They were going to get cast out. They said, well, can we go into the herd of swine? And Jesus said, yes. Now, Jesus did a two-for-one there because they weren't supposed to be eating swine or pork in Israel. So who has a pig farm in Israel? Why? Okay. Maybe they're trying to sell it to some of the Gentiles. But still, if you're Jewish, you weren't supposed to have it. Unclean animal. So Jesus did a two-for-one. He got rid of the demons and he got rid of the pigs. And that disrupted the economy, and the people came out and said, please leave the city, because you're, you're ruining my business. And that's what truth will do. Truth will do to these guys. It'll ruin their business. But yeah, you know, they'll, they'll come out and make these fantastical claims, and they'll be there wrestling with a demon and, and having a smackdown, a verbal smackdown, a devil, and, 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 and you know, bringing a tub up there for them to spit in. No. You don't spit demons out. There's no record of that in Scripture. I know the Bible says the guy was foaming at the mouth, but that was before the demons came out. He was foaming at the mouth. That was while he was demon-possessed. But after he was, after Christ cast him out, there was no foaming at the mouth. They were clothed in their right mind. That's what I'm talking about. When Christ healed, it was immediate and final. There was no wrestling match and arguing with a demon. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that shows anywhere Christ is arguing or the apostles are arguing with a demon. No, I ain't coming out. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yes, you are. What is that? That's that's nonsense. All right? So let's put that to bed. So these people claim to have all this power. They don't have it. Um, because, again, and, and, and I like what Corey Miner says. He said, if... If the healing looks like it did in the Bible, then I'll believe it. When it doesn't match what's in the scripture, I'm going to be very skeptical. And so should you. Don't fall for the con game. That's the second thing they do. Second thing I wanted to mention about that. All this wrestling and arguing with demons and speaking to them and everything else. Laying hands on people. There's no record, by the way. At least that I have found. Maybe you can check it out. Reach me to rhyd1-2001-gmail.com. But I see nowhere in scripture where Jesus touched a demon-possessed person. He touched the sick, but not the demons. He only commanded them and spoke to them to come out, and so did the apostles. There was no laying on of hands or physical contact. Yet these folk laying hands on people, come out, who's here? Yeah, I don't care how much tongues you're talking. Either you have it or you don't. Okay, you have that as a gift, or you, or you don't have it as a gift. So keep that in mind. Those are, that's the second thing about these... Um, all the, that makes me suspect about all these so-called fake healings. And then they never call the, they only call out certain types of people who you can't really prove it one way or the other until you get the medical thing. Number three, why am I doing this? Because people have died behind this kind of stuff. There was a good movie out a number of years ago. I think it was on ABC. But it's called We Let Our Son Die. You can Google it and see if you can find it. It's called We Let Our Son Die. Healing evangelist comes to town. Kid is diabetic. They pray over the kid to get free, to get healed from his diabetes, and the parents, you know, decide you know made a decision that it was a lack of faith to give him his insulin. We're just gonna we're not gonna give him any more insulin, and we're just gonna believe God for his total and complete healing. Well, you know what happened next? The boy died because he didn't get his insulin. He dies. And now the parents have the trauma of putting him in the ground. So now the parents have lost their child. Two, the guilt now that's going to come along with that because they're the ones who caused their child's death by making a bad decision. And three, they both went to jail. That's right. That's, that's the criminal negligence. When you refuse to give a minor their insulin or their proper medical care, even if it's for religious reasons, you're going to jail. In jail. You understand what I'm saying here? So that's three strikes against them. And now for the, and then when, if they do come out, or whenever they do get out, they have to live with that for the rest of their life. They, they made a mistake. But here's what infuriates me. Now that's my, the part where it makes me sad. 
what infuriates me is the evangelist who came there is not culpable for anything. He came there, he preached a lie, he got your money and took off. And that's money that the parents invested, the church invested, and they didn't get any, any bang for their buck. They got no return for the money they invested. Which, which, by the way, when Jesus heals you, it, it don't cost you nothing. It's free. It won't cost you a dime. You don't have to spend all your life savings on it. Uh, Christ will just heal you because God is good like that. Now, what the parents should have done when the evangelist came and said, okay, he's healed from his insulin. They should have went to the doctor to get it verified and run some tests to see if, it, if in fact, he's really healed. It doesn't matter whether the doctor believes you or not. Doctor told me about my wife. He said, that's impossible. Nobody can heal MS. You can't have MS and not have it. It must be a misdiagnosis. And I told him, I said, we got the receipts. It wasn't a misdiagnosis. Okay, so, and we have eyewitnesses, etc. So, a whole church full of eyewitnesses. So, having said that, uh, who were there, who knew her, my wife personally, and um, when she was in a wheelchair and everything else. So, we got the receipts. But that's what you do. Let the doctor say whatever he wants. You just run the test, and the doctor will tell you whether he still got it or not. That's all you got to do. And uh, there'll be no loss to you, and nobody would have to go to jail. Now, before I move on to my next point, I wanted to also add, uh, in line with that last segment, in some states, now, they regard a pastor or a licensed or ordained minister as a counselor, professional counselor. So if I counsel somebody not to take their meds, let's say I go out to a church and I preach and I counsel somebody not to take their meds, and that person then does not take their meds on my counsel and they die, you could be liable for lawsuiting. Not just you, your church and your entire church organization. Next, you know your pastor's getting sued, and he wasn't even there because if you know how you know how the system works, who's in charge here? Oh, the pastor. This is one of your men. So now the whole church, and if they're part of an organization, the whole organization can possibly be liable. Now we got to get lawyers and all kinds of stuff. So I suggest if you're a young evangelist or whatever, never tell people that they're healed. I I pray for people to be healed. People come to me and ask to pray for healing, and we ask and we believe God. But I never tell them that they heal. I tell them, I'll, you know, go back to the doctor, you know, and get the verification. Uh, here's another thing. Um, it's, it is not a lack of faith. One other myth that they have, that it's a lack of faith. You know, I had one guy, two people I know personally who died from cancer. And it was either God's going to heal me or we're going to have a funeral. Well, we had the funeral, both of them. They didn't want to take any of the chemo or whatever. Now, I can kind of understand that because some people just don't want to go through the sickness and everything else that's caused by the chemo, the falling out of the hair and all that. So I kind of I kind of figured that was the real reason, even though they cloaked it in spiritual terms. I think that was probably the real reason. And I also know another young lady who had uh, breast cancer and her family and her friends, well-meaning people. These are not evil people. They just don't understand what the scriptures say. And they, they told her, don't take don't take no meds or whatever. We're going to pray and God's going to heal you. You don't have to take no medication. And she believed that it was a lack of faith if she took meds. Well, we lowered her in the ground too. Saints, you can. it is not a lack of faith to take your meds, to follow the prescription of the doctor, to change your diet while praying for God to heal you. You can do all three. And, 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 and you're, that, doing what the doctor says, and taking your meds and changing your diet is not a none of that is a lack of faith. It's a lie. Uh, my wife did all three. She changed her diet. She followed the doctor's instructions, and she prayed for God to heal her. And now she's up and about. It's not a lack of faith, people. Stop selling pe people these lies that somehow, if you um, if if you take your meds. Oh, you ain't got no faith. That's why God ain't heal you. No, take your meds. Take them. If you need to change your diet, then change your diet. Do everything you can in your power to change your diet. All right? And still believe God for healing at exactly the same time. 
why do I say that? Because you you cannot dictate to God how it's done. God may work through the meds. God may choose to work through the uh, changing of diet. Or he may just heal you. I don't know. And you don't know either. And the person praying for you don't know. Okay? So, uh, and then sometimes, in most cases, in most cases, people, it is gradual. It is gradual. And I'm going to talk about why that is. Because when Jesus did it and the apostles did it, it was immediate and final. Why do we get the gradual healing now? And does that make it any less of a healing? Which I say, no, it doesn't. But we're going to talk about in the last segment why we have the sign gifts. And it's not for the foolishness that people have um, have made out of it. Okay, so um, that's one of the things that we have to look at, you know, here in, 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 in terms of divine healing. We don't want to get to the point where now, and I know people take Mark eleven twenty three. Is real to me right next door, Mark eleven twenty four. You know, um, where it says, you know, whatever you ask in my name, that will I give it, that will I do for you, etc. If you say, if you sayeth, I know, and they love that part. You see, you got to speak. You sayeth to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea. You know, that the mountain will then be cast into the sea. I remember I read that when I was back home in uh, in Saint Thomas. So I remember standing on the waterfront, commanding the mountain to be cast into the sea. Not realizing the island is just a mountain peak sticking out of the water. So if God had listened to me, the whole island would have went down into the ocean. There have been a lot of dead people, including myself. So when we make stupid prayers, God wings at it like, no, we're not doing that. Thanks be to God, God has more sense than I do. Especially at the age, that age, you know, I was about 15, 16 then. You know, um, reading the Bible the way most people read it. Which is wrong, <laughs> And I know I like to go to the end of Mark where it says, and these signs shall follow them who believe. You know, uh, the casting out of demons, if, if they drink any deadly poison, or, you know, if a snake bites them, and, you know, they can tread on serpents and scorpions and all of that. Uh, we're going to deal with all of that maybe in part three, but for right now, I just want to lay some groundwork here. And I may, uh, if I don't get to it today, I'll get to it uh, in part three. Okay. So, that's the thing about about healing uh that you know you you can use sort of all the natural means uh and, and be praying and having faith in god at the same time there's no reason for you to stop taking medication or anything of that nature uh please don't be silly and stupid and then and then blame god for it when the person died god had nothing to do with that that's your, that was our own stupidity and foolishness that killed us and lack of understanding the scripture and these people come in and they take your money. That's that infuriates me that they take your hard-earned money and don't deliver the goods. And either the person gets sicker or almost dies or just dies. And they, in the meantime, they're in their private jet flying all over the world, having a good time, staying in, in A1 hotels at your edge off your dime, and you got nothing to show for it except a dead body, dead relative you had to put in the ground. Not cool, man. Not cool. All right. So, uh, healing is a gift, not a ministry. Healing is a gift, not a ministry. We have to understand that I made a statement one time. I said there's no such thing as a deliverance ministry, and there's no such thing as a healing ministry, and oh my God, Woo, people went up in smoke, just like something you're doing right now. What are you talking about? When you say ministry, this is your ministry, what you're saying is that your focus of your service to God is on healing. The focus of your service to God is on your, is on casting out demons. That's not quite how that works. Jesus' ministry was to preach the kingdom. John the Baptist preached the kingdom. And not this dominion type teaching. We'll deal with that later on. If you don't, if you wonder what I mean by that, go back to uh, when I interviewed Don Hill, uh, in a conversation with Don Hill, and she talks about the new apostolic reformation. 
and some of the Dominionist teachers. She also did a very good podcast on Dominionism and uh, the openness of God theology. Uh, she did an excellent job of it in her latest podcast. It's called The Love Subscribe, uh, done by Don Hill. Go to it. It's on Spotify, and please click and subscribe to her podcast. All right. Uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed. She has excellent material, and she's a very, very good uh, researcher. So having said that, no, no, saints, listen to me. Your ministry, or the ministry, when Christ came here, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So why all the miracles? The miracles and the deliverance from demons was not the central part of his ministry. That was not what he came here to do, centrally speaking. How do you know? Well, let's look at John the Baptist. John did no miracles. Right? He didn't heal, he didn't heal the sick, raise the dead. He didn't do any of that. But what John did was he raised a dead nation. And raised the awareness of God. When the apostles were called, when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you preachers of men, some of them had already heard John preach. In fact, John pointed him out. He said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He pointed him out to some of the men who later on became his disciples. So, what, what's all the miracles and stuff for? Miracles in the Bible are designed to authenticate the ministry. It authenticates the ministry. How do I know this person's really from God or not? Then one of the things that God, that Jesus did and the apostles had to do was God gave them power to authenticate them as his ambassadors, that they were in fact sent there by him. Very important for that to, to, to see that. Uh, go back to Exodus chapter 3 when, when, when Moses saw God in the burning bush. And God told him, I'm going to send you back to the children of Israel. And how he had come down to deliver them. And he seen the oppression. Right? And, uh, and he, Moses said, well, who am I to go back to these people? And God said, oh, I'll be with you. And this should be a sign that I have sent you. He told him to bring the, the mount uh, to, to a particular mountain. Then Moses said to God, this is 3.13, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay, so then God gave him a script, and so I want you to tell the people. Tell them to get the elders together and um, tell them what I'm coming down here to do. All right, very good. So then, he tells them how he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he's going to strike Egypt with all his wonders. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then he gets to chapter four. Um. Uh, and he gets to chapter 4. Now listen to what happens here. This goes along with what I was trying to tell you. Just listen in. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So God gave him two signs, two miraculous signs to verify him that he was sent by God. 
sort of like God putting his signature on something. And so he was able to do these signs, and that would demonstrate and verify the fact that God had in fact sent him. Same thing with Jesus. Remember now, the prophecy says, in, in, uh, I believe in Deuteronomy, that God was going to raise up a prophet like Moses. Well, that's the one you're supposed to listen to. So Jesus blew Moses away in terms of miracles of what he did. I mean, the things that Christ was doing was, was as young people like to say, is off the chain. He was out there, man. He was, he was yeah, he was, Jesus was getting it done in terms of miracles. Including raising the dead, feeding the people with, 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 uh, with bread. You know, because in the sixth chapter of John, is you know, oh, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven, and Jesus had corrected him. He said, first of all, Moses didn't give you no bread from heaven. My father gave you that. Second of all, your father's a man in the wilderness, and they're dead. He said, but the bread I want to give you, you eat this bread, you'll never die. See, they were comparing him to Moses because that's the prophecy. The, the Jewish people, they understood that. You know, are you better than Moses? What, what, what says you apart from Moses or makes you equal to Moses? And Christ not only demonstrated that he was equal to Moses, he was, he was beyond Moses, above him. So that's what the gifts were. These were sign gifts to authenticate the ministry, and the apostles had the same power to authenticate them as true uh, men, of, and, uh, men of God and authenticated their ministry. That's why God gave them that. You say, well, I'm in ministry. Why isn't God authenticating me? Okay, we're going to get to that. It's a little bit different here when it gets down to us. But having said that, um, you ever notice when a ministry is starting out, <clears throat> the, the first one or two leaders are just like doing all kinds of miraculous stuff, so to speak. And I've seen that with some churches. Um, and then with generations later, you just don't see it on that level. And then people spend their whole time trying to get back to that level, and it can't. You know, when, when somebody is a, if you have a baby, you have to do everything for that baby. Baby can't take care of itself. When ministries are starting out, they'll die unless God supernaturally takes care of them. He did that with the nation of Israel. They didn't have a standing army to fight Pharaoh, so God fought for them. But eventually they developed a standing army and God sent Joshua and them to go out and fight. Uh, that's how this works. As you grow and as you mature, um, you see the, the miracles drop less and less and less. But in the beginning, perhaps, God may be doing some miraculous things and moving some things out of your way. My point is this. The miracles generally show up when God looks at it. God will assess a situation. And I'm, I'm taking this from the biblical pattern. And God divinely determines this is a time where I need to do X, Y, Z. We can't make that determination. As to when God does X, Y, Z. That's why you can't create no revival. I mean, you can create artificial ones. You can artificially make one. But it's not really a move of God per se. It's just artificially manu it's manufactured. But having said that, we, um, you know, but God for his own purposes and reasons. Now, if for some reason God needs to authenticate me in ministry or authenticate anyone else in ministry for a particular Divine re it has to it has to align with his divine ultimate purposes, and where he's taking someone or something, or even history. Then God will God will count on God intervening. But that's not the norm. That's the exception. I always put it this way: if miracles become the rule, then natural law becomes the exception. If everybody's performing miracles, then nobody's performing miracles because miracles will be so common it'll be like a regular day in the park. And you can't call them miracles anymore. This is just natural law. This is what happens. I pray for people to get healed. Okay, so God will suspend natural law when it suits his own ends and his own divine purposes. Sometimes God will not heal and God will not act, as in the case of the Apostle Paul, when he had the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, sent to buffet him. He implored God three times to remove him, and God says, My grace is sufficient for you. For in weakness, uh, my strength is perfected. So, in most cases, saints, that's what you're going to get. I'm not saying don't pray for healing, but in most cases, that's what you're going to get. Sometimes God is more concerned about the sanctifying work of, of the Holy Spirit through adversity and through difficulty, and God will just leave you right there in it. He won't deliver you from it, but he will He will be with you in the fiery furnace. He'll be that fourth man walking in, walking in the fiery furnace. He'll be there. 
when you go through deep waters, they, they, they won't overflow. And you go through the fire, it won't burn you. God will be with you. So, sometimes it all comes down to the will of God, doesn't it? What does God intend to work on in this situation? What does God want people to see? Sometimes, okay, I need to authenticate this guy right now, so I'm gonna, we're going to do the healing. Other times, it's, no, they need to go through. I'm not going to take this out from them. And we have to ultimately trust in the divine wisdom of God. That's what I'm saying here. So, move away from the dog and pony show and the theatrics and uh, all the dynamic stuff that's, be, that's so-called going on and get back down to basics and not do not focus my ministry does not focus on healing or on deliverance have i prayed for demons that's people before yes have i prayed for people and god healed them yes but i've also prayed for people and god decided not to heal them and went belly up so i, I pray for you it can, go, it can go either way that's what i'm saying so keep that in mind saints um but my ministry is not focused on healing and deliverance. If I'm going, as I am going, if I meet somebody that's sick, uh, I'll pray for them. Sometimes God may heal, sometimes he may not. If I meet somebody that's demon-possessed, demon comes out. Then we deal with it at that moment. But other than that, I'm not a ghostbuster. I'm not looking for trouble. Because uh, my mother told me a long time ago, you look for trouble, you will find it. Keep looking. And you'll find it. So, we preach the word of God. And we preach. That is our main purpose. is to teach and to make disciples of all nations. And then the signs and wonders will follow if we're doing what God told us to do. When it is appropriate for it to follow. Uh, do not be like these people in Texas. Oh, they should take up deadly snakes and they let the snakes bite them. Well, you're going to die. When the Apostle Paul got bit by the snake, he wasn't, he wasn't snake hunting. He was just gathering some wood and didn't see the snake. That's different than deliberately picking up the snake and letting the thing bite you to demonstrate how much power you, you got. That, that's insane. That's insane. Not a good idea. Okay, once again, this study is not exhaustive. I want you to know that. There's a lot more that could be said. But all, I'm trying, all I can do in a 60-minute in a, in a podcast is kind of whet your appetite and hopefully get you into the Word and, and rethinking some things and having some conversations. Sit down with your loved ones and have some civil conversations. I don't mean fists and chairs flying. You can have a civil conversation and allow people to disagree with you and have different points of view. Everybody's not in the same place, and everybody's not going to see what you see right away. Give them time to catch up. All right. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and... Amen. There's your prescription for healing. You sick? Ain't sick among you? 
You call for the elders of the church. They will anoint you with oil and they will pray. Stop driving. Stick with your local church and your local pastor. I know he's not on television. He's not electrifying as a preacher. He's not dynamic. He doesn't have the, the sound bites in the action sound bites. Dun, 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 all of that. He doesn't have all that going on when you see it on TV. And he's preaching and everybody's shouting. And yeah, they only show you the high points of those, of those services, by the way. I've, I've gone to some of these so-called services with these powerful preachers. And, they, and nobody preaches high-powered messages all the time anyway. So, And I get there and I'm like, this is just like being in church. You know, but when they show it on camera, they, they clip everything else and they only show you the high points. You know, the exciting, you know, everybody was electrified. Well, okay, that's that's fine. That's marketing. You know, we're a capitalist society and that's marketing. That's what they do. But let, let me say this, though. Stick with your local church because if you're praying for you, number one, they don't know you. They really don't, they can't care for you. Not because, not because they're evil, because they don't know you. You can't care for people that you don't really know per se, you know, um, but your local pastor knows you, and, and, and let, him, let him and the elders of the church come and pray for you, nobody has more access to God than any, if you're a Christian, and you're born of God's Holy Spirit, nobody has more access to God than you do, they have just as much as you do, and you have just as much access to God as they do. So why, don't get in your car, fill it up with gas, drive to God knows where to have somebody fake you out and with these fake healings and, and meetings and stuff. And uh-uh, you got your local pastor. He knows you, you know him. You go up to him. They get the elders of the church. They'll lay hands on you, pray over you, anoint you with oil, and pray over you as prescribed in Scripture. And in some cases, if, there, if there's sin involved, the sin will be forgiven. And here's something else for, for healing. And it's not, and by the way, all sickness is not connected to sin. So if somebody gets sick, no, ah, it's a judgment of God. They did something. No, we don't know that. God knows that, and the person who's sick, if they haven't figured it out yet, eventually they'll figure it out. The Holy Spirit will show it to you. He's not going to leave you hanging. But yes, some sickness is caused by sin. All right? If you, um, if you go out and you fornicate and you get VD, well, you know, hey. But, you know, who, who's to blame for that, right? That's all, that's all on you. So that's what I'm talking about. So, sometimes it is sin. And the Bible says this, praying for one another, confessing our sins one to another, and praying for one another that you may be healed. Sometimes healing comes through intimacy in terms of confessing your faults or your sin. It's not necessarily a sin. It can just be a bad habit. It's not necessarily sin per se, but it's just a bad habit, uh, which in some cases can lead to sin or keep you from doing the will of God. And praying for one another. Now, you can't confess your sins to everybody because you'll be on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. The whole world will know about it. And that's not a friend. Um the things that have been told to me, for example, that I that I that is that is going with me to the grave, and that's the kind of person you want. Somebody you can share those types of things with, and it goes with you to the grave. You're not you're not put on blast. They don't use it against you as a weapon. If you don't do as I say, I'm gonna tell everybody. You know, you're in an argument. They bring that up. You know, yeah, just like you did so and so and so. You're like, wow, you know, I shared that with you in confidence. Why are you bringing it up now? Because I want to weaponize it against you. You know, that's not a friend. And that's why some people don't confess their faults one to another. So I get it. But what I did is I divinely prayed for friends. And man, was I prayed to the divine, I prayed to God. Not that I divinely, I'm not divine. That, that Freudian slip there. But I prayed for God to give me friends with whom I can do those things. With. Now, if you're in far in between, and they're always going to be sure, you're not going to have a lot of friends. You know, you got your innermost circle of friends that you share, you know, practically everything with. Um, and, you know, and, and, but you're not an eyewitness news the next day. Confessing your faults one to another and then praying for one another that you can be healed. That's one way to get healing. Somebody said they have some faults and things that need to be confessed. In some cases, not all. But that's for you and God to work out on your own. 
It's not for anybody to tell you that. But that's the biblical prescription. Call for the elders of the church. You're afflicted, pray. If you're, if you're feeling good, then sing hymns. Praise God. Thank God you're feeling all right. You know, everything's, your world's going good for the moment. And then when the affliction comes, you pray. And then if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Let, you know, you when you get to service, you know, and, and you know, ask them to pray for you. Um, you know, I got cancer, I got this, I got whatever. And let them pray for you, the prayer of faith. And then to encourage us, Elijah was a man of like passion. And he prayed and things happened. That's basically what he's saying. And so we also can have the prayer of faith and pray and, and watch God work in various situations. And like I said, most of the time it's gradual. Um, but yes, God sometimes will um, will do it uh, miraculously and quickly. Again, not my call, it's his call. Going back to what I said earlier, as far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as a healing evangelist. It's not biblical. or I shouldn't say they don't exist, but healing evangelists are not biblical. Deliverance ministry is not biblical. In other words, if you're a preacher, your first job is to teach and preach the word of God. In the process, in the process, if you meet demon-possessed people, cast them out. In the process, you meet some sick people, pray for the sick. Now, you can have a segment of your service you want to pray for the sick or cast out demons. That's fine. But that's not that should not dominate the entire service. I remember going to some of the uh, early on back in the day when I was you know in Bible college and I would go to certain healing meetings, so-called. And I remember um, that's all it was. And I said, okay, so people got healed, but I didn't see anybody getting saved. I said, but nobody got saved though. See, you can get healed and you can get demons cast out and still bust hell wide open if you don't know Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. So the most important thing is bring men to Christ. And that's what all evangelists and all these people should be doing. They should be preaching Christ first and foremost. But you don't get that. As soon as they get there, they start right in with the healing. I'm like, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. And then, you know, whether you put in the start, the finish, or the middle, the gospel should come across some at some point. When are you going to tell these people to get saved? That should be the most important thing. Not just getting healed. And so... I would not put much stock in that. I remember I, I bought a book years ago called uh, A Daily Guide to Miracles. Thinking I was going to get a daily guide to miracles. You know what it was? It was just a devotional. It talked a, lot, a little bit about healing, but after that, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm still waiting for my daily, daily miracles. You know, and, and waking up in the morning, yes, I thank God for that. Um, you know, that's not a miracle. That That's just biology working. So you just wake up in the morning or whatever. And yes, God does keep you alive because if God doesn't keep you alive, that's what anything for that matter. Then you can say your whole life is a miracle. But that's not what we mean by miracle. That's natural law at work. And God keeps that natural law working. But miracles is when God suspends natural law. When you had a massive heart attack and you should have been dead because you, you were without oxygen, for 30 minutes, you should have been belly up, and somehow you come back to life. Well, that's God. That's what I'm talking about. So, again, uh, but ministry should be focused not on healing and deliverance. That should not be the main focus. And I think that's where people go south and they go wrong. And then the people are only following for the miracles and or for the fish and the loaves. Uh, and that's in the sixth chapter of John. Now, one of the other myths about healing, here's what people tell me, is that if you have a lot of miracles, people will get saved. Well, a lot of people will follow you, but that doesn't mean a lot of people are going to get saved. How do I know? Because when, in this, read the sixth chapter of John, they were following him at first for the miracles. Then he fed them and they were following him for the food. Then when they tried to make him king, Jesus wouldn't let them make him king because he did not want them to make him king based on his healing ability and on his ability to feed them. That wasn't why the basis to make him king. He said, unless you eat, you have to receive him. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he said, you have, you have no, nothing to do with me. And it says in that same sixth chapter, that same crowd that saw all the miracles, that same crowd that saw all the healing, 
and the food. That exact same crowd, it says many turned their backs and went, went away and never followed him again. To the point where he had to turn to his apostles and say, are you, are you also going away? And they said, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's when he said, I have chosen you 12 and one of you is the devil, referring to Judas. So my point in being is miracles did not make the people get saved. God sent 10 plagues on Egypt. Darkness that could be felt. And yet, they're trapped by the Red Sea. They just seen what God could do. And then God takes the angel of the Lord, stands and puts a wall of fire behind them and between the, the nation of Israel and the Egyptians. There's a wall of fire there, out of nowhere, protecting them. Yet, they said to Moses, Weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? What did God you had just left us in Egypt? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? Better to, serve, to be a slave in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. Wait, what? You just saw 10 miracles pass over. You saw yourself take all the gold and silver out of, uh, although you got reparations when you left Egypt. But all the gold and silver, that was your reparations. And then, and, and then on top of that, there's a wall of fire between you and the Egyptians. They can't even get to you. Yet, they had no faith whatsoever. That's what I mean. Miracles is not going to convince people to get saved. Never has, never will. Now, they'll take the healing. Thank you very much. They'll take the miracles. Thank you very much. They'll take the silver and the gold that they can get. Thank you very much. But they won't take Christ. See, everybody says, I will follow Jesus until he names his price. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and come follow me. Wait, what? If any man loves mother and father more than me, he's not worthy of me. You, you have to, yea, hate your own life. He that loves his life will lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake will find it. See, once he names his price, eat my flesh and drink my blood. All of a sudden, the people that were following him for the bread and for the, and people that were following him for the for the miracles, they're gone. They jet. Well, we're, we're done with him. Next Messiah, who, who else can we claim to be Messiah here? And on the day of Jesus' trial, where was blind Bartimaeus? Where was the, was the lepers that he healed? Where all these people that he delivered and cast demons out of? Was it well, why the demonic nobody came to his defense? Oh, I know scriptures had to be full. I get it. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to show you. That doesn't mean they're going to come for you. And then when it came time, Pilate said, "Well, what do y'all want me to do? Who should I release? Should I release Jesus to you?" They said, "No, give us Barabbas. Give us the murderer, and release Jesus and, and kill Jesus. What should we do with Jesus? Crucify him." The same crowd that laid the palms down in front of him, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and worshipped him coming into Jerusalem. That exact same crowd, 28, 48 hours later, whatever time it was, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah, people will put it on you. But wait, he healed these people. In fact, when he was on the cross, they said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. And they said to him, physician, heal thyself. You see what I'm talking about? It's a lie, saints. The, the miraculous being displayed in the church, would, no matter how much miracles that are performed, people are not going to get saved on that basis. People only get saved because of the working of the Holy Spirit on the human heart. That's it. No Holy Ghost working on the human heart, no salvation. I don't care what you show these people. Now, yes, you'll have the crowds following you. You'll draw news media and all that kind of stuff. But they're not going to get saved. you just be another oddity. They'll put you in the book of unexplained things. And that'll be the end of it. And they'll do a whole episode on you. And then they'll go something else. This was unexplained. Bigfoot was unexplained. This flying saucer was unexplained. These, <clears throat> these uh, Amityville, this was unexplained. This church here with their miracles, this was unexplained. Mary, Statue of Mary was crying blood. This was unexplained. That's all they're going to do. But they're not going to get saved. And let me close out with this. If these guys were really doing what they claim to be doing, 
if that was true, do you know how much the pharmaceuticals, I mean, how much the insurance companies would pay and say, Don, we will pay you money to go up here and empty this hospital because they don't want to pay the, pay the hospital bill. Doctors won't have any, doctors won't like you. Now, the pharmaceuticals, on the other hand, will put a hit out on you because you're ruining their business. He's got to go. Kill him. That's right. That's what they did with Jesus. Jesus was disrupting the political and social and economics of the day. So he had to go. That's what I'm talking about. No, 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 saints. They're not doing well, all this stuff. Stop it. All this stuff, they can, all these claims and stuff that they're making. The only people who are falling, falling for it are, are Christians. The poor sheep are being duped. And unfortunately, the shepherds, for whatever reason, maybe the shepherds themselves are being duped. I know as an elder in a church, I, I would love to see people get, get healed. And I wouldn't care whether it was by my hand or whose hand it is. I wish everybody well. I want everybody in the church to be healed and be healthy. I would love that. Oh, my God, that would be so nice. But the truth of the matter, it just don't work that way. And if we follow the biblical pattern as to how to get healed, I believe God will do some things. But remember this. Miracles are the exception. They are not the rule. We can pray for healing. We can pray for miracles. I need some miracles in my life right now. I'm, I'm back is against the wall on some issues. But you know what? And I'm praying for God to do some miracles. And I hope he does come through. I really do. But if not, my God is well able to deliver me out of every situation that I'm in. He is able. But if not, I will not bow to the world, the flesh, or the devil. I will follow Christ with my last breath. Whether he delivers me or whether he does not. Christ has my undying allegiance. I'm his forever and ever. So, saints, stay strong. Keep your heads up. Ask God for what you need. It's okay. But believe, believe that he's going to deliver you. Believe that he's going to give you what you asked for. That's fine. Tells you to do that. But you got to take it one step further. But if not, shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord, Job said, and not evil also? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job also says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and though the skinworm devour this body, yet in my flesh I will see God when he stands upon the earth in the latter days. That's the kind of faith God wants us to have. God bless. Once again, thank you for listening to this edition of The Sword and the Spirit. What we did here was not exhaustive. There's whoa, so much more could be said. Again, I just wanted to create some conversations and kind of get things going. Thank you to those of you who have supported this ministry uh, financially. Thank you for that. And for those who have not, I thank you just for listening. Uh, and my prayer is that I say some things that are helpful to you and that it's helping you to grow in your faith and to get a better understanding of the scriptures and what God has called us in the church to do and to be. And so that's one of the things that we want to do. Now, having said that, um, I just wanted to also add a few other closing remarks. Is that um, God does heal. And I'm repeating myself, but I want to make sure you, you know, understand. God does heal. God can heal. And he does but it's according to his will and what he wants to do. And when God determines that he's not going to do something, you cannot declare and decree and make God do anything. God is not our errand boy. And he's not here for uh, to do it every, or our bidding at our beck and call. We are, he is Lord and we serve him. And we move at his beck and call when he says so, not when we say so. So I uh, Thank God again for everybody listening. If you have any ideas for the podcast, or if you want to talk, connect with me, rhyd12001 at gmail.com. God bless you. Stay strong. 
Stay with Jesus. Don't do anything outside of Christ. Stay in Him, because in Him we live and move, and we have our very existence. And give God glory for when He does heal, and for God keeping you in good health. An ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So if you can change some of your eating habits, um, I've waited, you know, this, till this point in my life. I'm, I'm still trying to to wrestle, change some of my habits, but I've got rid of the most of the bad and adding some of the good, more of the good in. So, uh, take care of yourself. And God bless you. And I will see you next week, God willing, or sooner. Depends on when I get an unction. I uh, will be here podcasting. God bless. And you can pick us up on many platforms. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And uh, so... We're here, and God willing, coming soon, YouTube, and also our website and our blog. Just keep me in prayer, and I'll be able to get those things up and running. God bless you, and again, thank you all so very much. I'm deeply grateful to anyone who listens to this, and I'm hoping, not because I'm desperate, because I really want to help people and get the truth of the gospel out and get away from the, 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 uh, the, 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 the nutty show that people put on. That really doesn't help anybody, except just make them feel good for a few moments. It's like a placebo. But when you get up the next day, nothing has happened. God bless you. Stay strong.